Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Rowe and Byers Automotive. I am Jeremy Birmingham. Today, I'll be joined by Zach Carpenter and Spencer Holbrook, and we're going to talk about all the biggest names in Ohio State football recruiting and try to get a handle on where things are after a pretty busy um, two-week stretch for the Buckeyes, where we start to see some things shake out uh, on the national front and then, of course, inside of Columbus. So let's get uh, Zach and Spencer on here and let's talk stuff. Spencer Holbrook and Zach Carpenter are joining me, Jeremy Birmingham, as I said they would. And guys, you know, last week we did a written version of In or Out on LettermanRow.com. And I know that people liked it, of course. How could they not? It was fantastic. But I know that there's always a clamoring for us actually breaking things down and talking about it and why we feel the way we feel. Um, And I figure rather than trying to piece together, well, here's this recruiting update. Here's what we're thinking about about this guy. I'm going to just turn this over to Spencer, who is the world's greatest fake MC, and let him sort of take us on a journey and see where we go today. Um, So, Spencer, let's talk about some stuff, right? And and guys, Ohio State's been recruiting. The last couple of weeks, I've seen a number of them get back to campus. Let's just dive in. Who do you want to talk about first, Spencer? Uh, I want to talk about the offensive linemen who I – slated to be in this class but apparently you predicted it first but not really berm so yes, i guess we'll I, I guess we can agree to disagree on who picked him to be in the class first but is he even in the class yeah carson, I mean, carson hinsman i didn't say he was going to be in the class first but i did on this very show like six weeks ago say people were not giving ohio state enough credit for what they were doing. And that was when he made the return for the Oregon game. Now, a couple of days or a week or so after that, you came to me and you're like, hey, I think this is the real deal based on something you had heard, uh, you know, individually. So I think that there's credit to be had on both sides. But who's, who cares about credit, Zach? The kid hasn't committed. This is honestly the first time I've heard of that. So thanks for letting me in on that. I thought it was Spencer the whole time. I mean, we were sitting at Urban's Pint House uh, for uh before the show and he was telling me we went fighting back and forth and then the next day is when we had the uh the episode where spencer called me an idiot yeah well spencer's always calling people names but the kid hasn't committed anywhere yet so we're all idiots until that happens uh it's ohio state and wisconsin for carson hensman when we did the episode of in or out on the website i don't know if it's an episode the story last week uh there was i think i was the one who said out right i'd have to go back and, and the reason I said it is not because I don't think he wants to commit to Ohio State. I just think that eventually this might come down to a kid from Wisconsin who maybe maybe Ohio State is too big. I don't know. That, that's the only thing I can really come up with. I, to me, the fact that the kid has made multiple visits in the season, the fact that he hasn't committed to the home state Badgers tells me that there is a, a real family push there for Ohio State. Um, but it is hard to cross that finish line when you're talking about going away from home. Yeah, this was this was one of the two that I kind of labored on the most back and forth. This was the the one I that was the hardest for me to predict. And I eventually set out. I kind of want to go with the Austin Ward style of when he uh, predicts different final scores for every show he's on throughout the week. And then I want to say out again, but I'm going to stick with in, even though I'm not confident about that. It's just Berm wrote it in the in the explanation. This is also something Spencer and I talked about. It's like the classic heart versus head battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's from Wisconsin. I mean, obviously, we all know that all the he's an in-state offensive lineman from Wisconsin. 
probably going to wind up picking Wisconsin. But the fact that he hasn't already done that uh, I, it could be a sign. But then there's also the argument, things like we both have, we all have Luke Montgomery in the class and he's from Ohio and he still hasn't committed to Ohio State. So, I mean, you could flip arguments on there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the, the rub here is that uh, obviously this is a kid who was offered by Wisconsin more than a year ago. He grew up there. The thing that when I talked to Carson last, he told me that he never really ever imagined Ohio State or anyone else could make his decision difficult. He always thought he was going to go to Wisconsin. And I actually think the biggest surprise here from what I've talked to different sources about is that I think the family actually wants him to push himself out of his comfort zone and choose Ohio State. Now it's just about getting it over the finish line. And that could literally happen any day. I I said out last week, I'm going to say out now, but I, I definitely think I could be wrong. And I, I don't think it's because the kid doesn't want to go to Ohio State. Or I just think that sometimes the, that push to leave home, uh, especially for all offensive linemen who are generally more um, under the radar type personalities, kids who are low key, a little bit more mama's boys in some way. Um, I think that's going to make the challenge here. Now he could honestly, and I, I mean, I'm saying this, you know, we're recording this at 10, 10 on Wednesday morning. By the time this is live on Wednesday afternoon, he could already committed somewhere. Like there is no, there is no timeline of when this is going to happen. It's going to be Ohio State or Wisconsin, and it's going to pop at any minute that uh, Carson Hinsman says, I'm ready. So, Spencer, that's the that's the problem here with Carson Hinsman is that it seems clear that there's a real push to Ohio State, but you got to actually finalize it. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Tony well, Alford uh, and Greg Sudrar have done a great job on that recruitment. Tony Alford has been uh, helping with that recruitment, and he's they've really done a great job. Anyway, sorry, next. Yeah, you guys are uh, are great at what you do, but we're going to need to speed through each of these guys if we're going to get to as many guys as people want to hear about in or out for. So, okay, uh, you right, you right. I, see, this is why he's the greatest fake MC on earth because he's keeping right. us in line. I love it. All right, let's go to Ernest Green, another huge guy, another big target for the Buckeyes. I'm not feeling good about this one, but I want your guys' opinions here. So yeah, that, go ahead. I had, I had out um, for him and. I just, I, in the end, I didn't think they would get both Carson Hensman or Green. I do think they get one of them. And I do think Georgia's made a great push there. I think that official visit he took uh, before um, before he visited Penn State for the Ohio State-Penn State game, I think Georgia did make uh, make a, uh, a great impression on him. And I don't think, I think it's going to be another one of those situations where he commits elsewhere and then we wind up uh, talking about our message boards. I mean, we can see the we could see the uh, the the future and our yeah. ball here of what the message board is going to be like and the reaction is going to be like. Um, but yeah, Berm, you go you go ahead. But I was the only one of us that put Ernest Green in the class last week on that story. And again, this is, I, this one's about the long term nature of the relationship. I know that his mom loved the visit to Ohio State, but his dad is from Georgia. He's got a lot of family in the Georgia area, and that is where a lot of this Georgia push originated from. I don't know why I thought in, I still feel like there's something about that relationship that Ohio State's had with him for a long time that maybe carries the day. Um, but again, like Carson Hensman, I, I definitely could see that one going either way, but I still just feel like there's something there between the, those two sides. The question is, is it more important to be around family is it, or is it more important to be around the place where he feels most comfortable? And, and I guess that's the, uh, 
the rub. So, uh, but dad's Georgia poll is very real. And I, I think that's why there's so much confusion on this one, but again, that's a two team battle, Ohio state, Georgia, there's not a lot of other schools making that, making that interesting. And it's really interesting because those two schools are, are probably the two best, the two front runners to win the national championship right now. And, and so you, you get a little bit of an undercard there with the recruiting, with the recruiting aspect of those two programs. So uh, moving on, I'm going to flip sides of the ball. We're going to stay in the trenches though. Um, Let's let's go with Caden Curry. This one should be quick. I think he's in the class. I think you guys agree. And yeah, um, took his official visit to Alabama over the weekend. Uh, I know it's a quick visit. The, the uh, I know that they loved it, but I don't think I don't think it was enough to sway from sway him from Ohio State being his leader. So yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I, I feel like Ohio State has been the leader here for a while. I actually heard a funny thing anecdotally uh, that. During his visit to Indiana for the Ohio State-Indiana game, there were some rumblings that Caden Curry may have been applauding Ohio State more than he was trying to be, like, uh, neutral at that game. And that, that might have been one of the moments where he kind of realized that where his heart was going with this uh, recruitment. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's just what I heard. Uh, sometimes you hear things and you can't really validate it. But that's something that I was told and I, I sort of chuckled at. I think Caden Curry is going to commit to Ohio State, and Zach is as dialed in in that relationship as anyone in the country. Um, I think that's something that could happen again, like Carson Hensman, almost at any time. Caden's not the type of kid who's going to try to make a big scene about it. Yeah, he's one of the most low-key recruits I've ever I've covered in the past two-plus years of doing this, and I, I, I don't know if he'll drop it at any moment. I know that the plan is for him to wait until after the playoffs, and his team's probably going to uh, make a return to the state championship game, probably win the state championship game. So might be a few weeks away there, but um, no, but I still nothing, like you said, nothing would surprise me because of how low key he is yeah. about the process. Um, he had a, he had planned to, um, he had a commitment date in mind for early October and then just decided to scratch it. And like you said, I talked to him about the Ohio state Indiana game. And I think it was during like the third or fourth quarter where the OH chance started raining down from, uh, from inside Indiana Stadium, kind of like the 2019 Ohio State Michigan game at the Big House, yeah. and uh, I know he took he took note of that, and he said it was the loudest he's ever heard that stadium, which is kind of funny to me. <laughs> All right, um, <clears throat> let's stay on the defensive line. Maybe move outside a little more. I don't know where Caden Curry is going to end up playing, but uh, let's go with uh, Amari Abor. I'm still saying in. I think it's a battle for. Um, Right now, I think it's a battle against time more than anything else. Ohio State has prioritized Abor for a, a while. The other top schools in the mix here, like Texas A&M and Alabama, continue to sort of uh, pussyfoot around. Like, they're not really diving all the way in with Amari Abor for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because Texas A&M has going to sign, like, seven other five-star defensive linemen. I don't know. Maybe you just have to prioritize. But I think it's Ohio State. Yeah, I, my mind's flipped on this since we – put in the, since we did the written, uh, I had him out, but I, I think I'm going to switch to in here because uh, some of the defensive line dominoes that are, that are falling. I think, I mean, Texas A&M, uh, Alabama, they're starting to uh, fill out their defensive line classes or seem like they're on the verge of like with instance of Shamar Stewart, Texas A&M. Um, I think that like, like Berm said, if Texas A&M and Alabama aren't prioritizing him like Ohio state is and they're, they seem to be going different routes without uh, taking other defensive linemen. I think that's going to open up the uh, an avenue for it to be all Ohio State here. 
I am going to uh, disagree, and and it's nothing that you guys have said, but I there are some guys, and this might sound weird, but I think it's it's a real thing. There are some guys who just they're just SEC players, or they're you know they're a Big Twelve player. This guy's definitely a Big Ten player. I always saw Caden Curry as a Big Ten player. Uh, I think Omar Abor is an SEC player. And I think that he's just a guy who's going to stay in the South. I think I don't think there's anything Ohio State's done wrong in this relationship. It just it's a weird feeling that I have that this is a guy who wants to play in the South, and uh, I think that's where he's going to end up. So I'm going to say out. So it, maybe maybe it's just my dumb NC mind that's that's um, doing that. But he just kind of feels to me like an SEC guy. So let let me ask a question because I me and uh, Spencer talked about that. He does feel like an SEC type of kid type of player, um, but it feels like. A defensive lineman, Larry Johnson's kind of on his own, that renegade, that he might be able to take SEC-type players when they they don't feel like they maybe fit the Big Ten mold. I'm wondering, I wasn't around, obviously, for the recruitment of Chase Young. Did he feel like an SEC player at the time, or did he feel like a Big Ten player at the time? What was kind of the vibe there? Chase committed to Ohio State in the summer. Uh, it was pretty early. It was it was always Ohio State, Alabama. I mean, there was the hand, it, it was – it was Ohio State or Alabama essentially for Chase. And and that was just a relationship with Larry Johnson because Larry in, in the DMV and, and the Maryland area is so respected and well known that once Chase made a couple of visits to campus, it was a it was never going to be anyone but Ohio State. But with Omari, I get I know what you guys are saying. I mean, he's a little bit swaggy, you know, a little swaggier than um what we've seen Ohio State recruit in the last few years. But the reality here is that the race may not be Ohio State versus the SEC. It may be Ohio State versus the SEC's clock because if Alabama, A&M, these other schools aren't making a push, Texas is making a push, but they're still floundering. So I don't think that you're going to see Abor willingly jump on that grenade yet, but it's just about time. If he wants to commit any time in the near next six weeks, none of these other schools have made him a priority Ohio State has. So that's why I think it's Buckers. All right, well, that's a good explanation, and I appreciate your honesty, Jerome. Uh, let's go with Hero Canoe. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to say in. I just, I have the feeling that the, um, the relationship between him and Larry Johnson, more importantly, or maybe as importantly, between his mom and Larry Johnson, I think is going to make a big impact uh, here whenever he makes his decision. I know he's planning on publicly announcing at the January 8th All-American Bowl. But he, I love how he's gone on record multiple times as saying, I'm going to silently commit and then and then not announce yeah. it until January. And then uh, he's not early enrolling, though, for whatever it's worth. So I guess that's going to work out for him. But I think that's a situation, the silent commit thing, where you see a kid who's not from the United States and doesn't necessarily understand uh, – the nuance of the recruiting world at this point, because there is no such thing as a silent commitment. It may not be public, but it is not um, private at that point. Once you tell the coaching staff, they tell someone then the media and then the media tells other people in the media and then it becomes a a well-known thing. Um, It's interesting in talking to different sources around the Georgia program after the visit to, to Georgia this weekend, heard one side of it say that they think it's Ohio State and Georgia and another side of it saying they think it's Georgia and Oklahoma and that Ohio State is out or that Ohio State is running behind the Sooners and uh, the Bulldogs. And the only thing I can really think of trying to figure this out is with Hero, who is obviously a really big personality, great, like fun-loving, really personable kid. 
I wonder if similarly to Carson Hinsman, if just the city of Columbus and the vibe of Ohio State might be too big for him. Um, Personality-wise, he might want something a little bit more college towny as opposed to a, a big city. Um, so that's one of the things I think Ohio State's fighting against. That's just my own speculation. I haven't heard that from anyone, but the relationship with Larry Johnson meant so much to Hero over the last few months. It would It's hard for me to imagine another reason why the Buckeyes would be trailing in that battle, uh, especially considering the obvious need at defensive tackle coming up. And so, you know, I, I, I'm going to still say in because I think the Larry Johnson thing wins, but the, the Georgia concern and the Oklahoma concern is very, very real. All right, um, let's let's uh, wrap this 2022 talk up with uh, with the safeties. I know you guys know who they are. You know where they stand, and uh, and let's let's chat about it. Uh, yeah, uh, that's. Here's the thing. I'll start with uh, Xavier Wampa because, similar to Hero Canoe, I've heard multiple things, and obviously I was in Iowa last week. And for everyone watching, listening. I know they're, oh, boy, he's in Iowa. He might be doing an in-person Bermanology. I was not doing any sort of commitment Bermanology or anything like that. Everyone is trying to get a handle on what Xavier Wamp is actually thinking. The Iowa writers believe it's Iowa, Notre Dame, Ohio State, third. And then I read an update on Wednesday morning where they think it might be Ohio State. And then Iowa, then Notre Dame. Notre Dame folks think it's Notre Dame and Iowa. I talked to Notre Dame folks on Monday. And they said Notre Dame, FYI, is not confident at all in Xavier Wampa. I know from talking to people at Ohio State, they're very like, we don't have any idea what's going on with Xavier Wampa. The Ohio State commits, who are always very pro, like, okay, Xavier's coming, Xavier's coming, are now like, we don't know what's going on with Xavier. Like, he is handling this thing as well as anyone. And I don't think he's doing it on purpose. It's just his personality. He's very low-key, isn't trying to to pump this up for any sort of uh, cloud or anything like that. And I think he's torn. He's got three very good options. The ability to stay home and make yourself a hometown hero is something that's very important um, to a lot of kids. But Ohio State, to me, the Ronnie Hickman role at Ohio State is so perfectly suited for what Xavier Wampa does as a football player. Uh, that That's ultimately why I still think he's going to pick Ohio State. And I think actually that he'll be helped by the fact that Ronnie Hickman, to me, is now an NFL player and may end up heading off to the NFL after this year where he probably wasn't thinking about it four months ago. Uh, and I think that could help Ohio State give Xavier a path to playing time, which is important. Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you, you say he's a low-key, uh, laid-back kind of guy, when I saw him a couple months ago, I asked him, I'm like, dude, are you shy? Like, admit it. He's like, no, I'm not shy, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, he kind of is. Like, so that's kind of – that's one minor reason for why um, we're – we're getting so many different, uh, like, like you said, so many different opinions and feelings about this recruitment. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you talked about the Ronnie Hickman thing, because I still, I've been hammering this point home for weeks, months now that I think the number one thing for him is going to come down to development and vision. And I think that Ronnie Hickman bullet roll, especially like he told you, it's sort of morphed from, being more of an in-the-box guy as a linebacker type or leaning toward linebacker type to now it seems like it's leaning more safety, uh, like they use him more as a safety, even though they still use him as both. And I think that fits Xavier kind of perfectly, like you said. And I still think it comes down to like kind of reading the tea leaves and like reading um, and talking with you about your your visit with him. It just seems to me that he, I think he said, 
the people you play with are probably as important, if not more important than the coaches. And I can't shake this feeling that guys like CJ Hicks and Keon Gray's like his relationships with those guys are just going to carry the day. And I know there's rumblings, there's different rumblings about where his parents may want him to ultimately go and whatnot. And that maybe that's not Ohio state, but that in the end, it's what does this kid want to do? And I think he's kind of battling that right now over the next. Right. And that's not surprising that Ohio state may be uh, if, and again, this is just pure conjecture. This is not putting words in his mom's mouth or anything like that. Or, you know, it's not a surprise if a parent, if, if they have a list of three schools for their child, that the school that's furthest away from home would be last on the list. I mean, that, that makes sense. Notre Dame obviously has the, the academic prestige that it does. They're obviously a top five, top six football program in the country. It's a good blend of things. Um, you know, Iowa is down the street. He, he knows he can play very early at Iowa. They obviously do a very good job of developing defensive backs. They're productive. They get a lot of hype and, and pub. It's just a lot of different things in the mix. I, I still think recruiting Spencer comes down to what? Comfort relationship, the cars. The, and to me, we're not talking about the Alabama cars here, folks. We're talking about the, the Ohio State comfort and relationships cars. And I think that this is just a situation where now that you can actually get cars because of name, image, and likeness, uh, you can actually get that as well. So uh, I, I think that I still think in. Zach, in or out? And Zion Welch. You guys are breaking all the rules, so I want a one-word answer. Zion Branch, in or out? I'm limiting you guys to one word. In. In. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go to 2023. Zachariah Branch. Wow, look what I just did there. In. In. Okay, so now we can start to break things down a little bit more. I just wanted to get those two out of the way. All right, let's talk about Sonny Styles, Five-star guy, top five uh, player in the country, right down the street from Ohio State. Um, simply put, just a huge recruitment. Like you cannot miss on Sunny Styles. Where do you guys see this recruitment heading as we speak November 10th on a Wednesday? I think it's just fascinating, man. Like every weekend the kid can go to Notre Dame or he can go to Ohio State. This weekend, I think Notre Dame's on the road. So I think it wouldn't be a surprise if Sunny Styles showed back up at Ohio State. So any momentum that the Irish gained last weekend, maybe get turns back this weekend. I mean, he's one thing I know from talking to Sonny last week um, after his visit for the Penn State game. He's actually much more into Clemson and Florida than people are giving them credit for. Uh, and so I honestly don't think that it would be a huge surprise uh, if he committed today. I don't think it'd be a huge surprise if he committed six weeks from now. Like there, there's this is a kid who has every um, angle of his recruitment covered and knows that he's in charge of it. And I think that's a really great thing for these kids. The, there's so much talk about legacy and oh, his dad at Ohio State, his brother at, at Notre Dame. And then there's that underlying like current of maybe Sonny wants to create his own legacy somewhere else and, and do his own thing. And Clemson has the the blueprint for Isaiah Simmons. And that's exactly the type of player that Sonny can be. And so there's all these little things. I think Clemson may actually be um, like in that mix with Ohio State and Notre Dame more than people give him credit for. And if, if Clemson is that, that high up on his list, it would be the Isaiah Simmons role that I, I guess would be attractive to him. But also it feels like Ohio State wants him to use him in that Isaiah Simmons role. Um, it's come here and be like the defensive weapon, defensive unicorn, whatever you want to call it, the guy that we build our defense around. And I think that's going to wind up winning the day with, with him. I think the Ohio State legacy factor, I think that matters. I mean, 
talking with him back in the summer, uh, it felt, I mean, I got the feeling that both of those things are a big deal and um, wanting to follow his dad's footsteps, like the legacy thing is important there. But I also, I think Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame is a real, I think it's still an Ohio State Notre Dame battle. And I do think, I know, I think you guys and a lot of people kind of downplay the, um, the, the fact that his brothers at Notre Dame, I still think that's got to matter somewhat. Sure. I think, still think it's it's Ohio State versus Notre Dame, but um, in the end, I'm still gonna I still have Sonny as in. Yeah, I think the fascinating thing about the Sonny Styles recruitment is that if you talk to every Notre Dame recruiting analyst, they think it's gonna be Notre Dame. Every Ohio State analyst thinks it's Ohio State. Everyone is sort of just hearing what they hear and and trying to make the most out of it or make the best of that prediction. I don't know. I, I just, I have a very tough time. Ultimately, I don't think you can do this based on like Marcus Freeman versus Al Washington. I think this comes down to Brian Kelly versus Ryan Day. And I have a very tough time believing that Sonny Styles will pick Brian Kelly over Ryan Day. So that's why I think it ends up being Ohio State whenever it, it occurs. All right, let's get some some quick hitters here so we can dive into a couple more before this show uh, wraps up. Uh, Let's go with two linebackers and and maybe short answers, maybe not one word answers, but let's get some really short answers here. Uh, let's go with, with Jaden Osbury and Troy Bowles. Uh, I have, I had in for Troy Bowles and out for Jaden Osbury. I just, I think the um, Burns made this point in the past that NFL, NFL uh, recruits who were grew up in NFL families or, um, like college football star, former college football stars, whatever. Um, I think they they love the the blend of how Ohio State does it of bi- uh, professional business like approach that's going to get you the NFL and like you're going to be straightened up, but also the the way they build relationships with the the players that they know that um, they actually they care about them for lack of a better phrase. So I go with, still within for Troy Bowles and out for Jaden Osbury. Yeah, I mean, I had Troy Balls out last week in that written thing, and I, I sort of changed my tune on that. I think he's in, and again, I I, I don't I don't know that Jaden Osbury is willing to really leave the South for college. His dad and his family is LSU to the core, but I I was told very early in his recruitment he's not going to end up at LSU. But I still have a difficult time believing that he leaves the South. So uh, Troy Balls, whose brother plays at Rutgers. Um, Troy, who's in Florida, but, you know, he's obviously got a national profile because his dad is the defense coordinator for uh, the Buccaneers. That's why he's down there. I, I think he's in, and I think it's because of the relationships he's building at Elastic. All right. Let's go with another quick hitter here. Uh, let's AJ Harris. We've broken down his recruitment a lot, so I don't think we need to really dive into that at this moment. But, but where are you guys feeling, in or out? I, I still I have him in. Tell me a couple. I still have him in, and I know that, again, this is one of those situations where Ohio State uh, recruiting media is looking at this from a different perspective than literally everyone else. You you read anything about A.J. Harris from the national folks or anyone who covers Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, they don't even mention Ohio State. And now that he visited North Carolina this weekend, you'll see a bunch of buzz for North Carolina. Uh, I, I still think it's Ohio State. I think that's I, I think the Buckeyes got in early enough and made so much of an impression on him and his family in the summer um, that uh, I 
I just see it. And I, again, I think the Buckeyes have been very clear. They're going to take two corners max in the class of 2023. They've prioritized AJ. Um, I, I just, I think that a month from now, December 11th, whenever he makes that decision, um, or, or November or January 8th, whatever day it is, I think it'll be Ohio State. And I mean, real quick, I think we talked about it for like 40 minutes on one podcast, AJ's recruitment. So just if you want to know the reasons why we, more of the reasons why we think AJ Harris to Ohio State, just go back and uh, watch, listen to that one, because I think it's for all the same reasons that as we stand here today. Yeah, sweet. Um, let's, let's go to the defensive line. The guy that I haven't heard from at all uh, in the season, but in the summer, he was a hot name, especially at Ohio State in camps. Uh, let's go with Derek LeBlanc. What, what, what are you guys hearing, feeling? I, this is one that I chose out of left field because I haven't heard his name in a while, but uh, give me your feel right now. It's hard not to be optimistic. The kid visited three times in June uh, from Florida. That, that's pretty important, but he visited Clemson. They were another one of the dream schools, Zach, who we've talked about. And it seems like the, that Clemson has a little bit of the momentum there right now. Ohio State does this weird thing, and I think people don't really understand. I, I don't even understand it. Sometimes they don't really do a lot of recruiting in the season because they're so focused on winning a championship that they don't really spend a lot of their time recruiting. They, they've had their off week. Larry Johnson went to chase down a bunch of 2022 targets rather than 2023 targets. Um, and I, I just don't think that they've had a lot of time to really – put back into that class when there's still only one defensive lineman committed in 22 and they want four or five. So I just don't think they've pushed there uh, because they're focused on 22 first. Um, but I still think he's obviously a very interested player. He's visited three times. You don't do that unless you're super serious about this. Yeah. Dangerous Dan Mullen. You're going to say they don't, they don't recruit during the season. We'll talk about that after the season. Well, I, obviously they recruit, but I don't, you know what I mean? They're not like, they're not trying super hard to to push kids for commitments or stuff right during the season. Yeah. Um, I felt incredibly optimistic. I thought Derek LeBlanc was going to be the first commit in the class or one of the first, which I guess he still could be as we stand here today. Um, I, I think he, it felt like he was on the verge of a commitment and then backed off. I just, I, I have him as out right now. Um, I know for the same reasons Berm said are why, I want to say he's in, but I still I think that he winds up in the South as we sit here on November 10th. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say out. But again, I I think that it's a battle that changes a lot once the season ends and he gets back up and they get a chance to really review his his junior film and, and see where things are at. So the, 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 the focus for Ohio State on the defensive line is finding the guys to fill out the 22 class. And so that slowed down some of that, I think. All right, we got two quick ones and then one that I'll let you guys dive into a little bit. Um, the two quick ones are Carnell Tate and Richard Young. We've talked about them uh, a lot. And so I just wanted to see what you guys are feeling right now. I, I, I think I, in on both. In on both. Okay. In on both. Now, I will add an asterisk. There's been some scuttlebutting out there about Tony Alford and like the Akron job and stuff like that. So, um, Obviously, that could be a, a huge curveball. If something like that happened, it's back to square one because uh, the relationship between Alfred and Young is what makes it so special. Uh, Carnell Tate, I still think it's Ohio State. Sorry. All right. Wow. Let's get to the last guy. Last guy. Who is it? Last guy is Peyton Kirkland. Ooh, Ooh good one. I uh, I have I think he's going to be in. Um, I know I've talked to a lot of offensive linemen over the past couple months, and I. I get the feeling that um, 
both him and Luke Montgomery are two that have like legitimately good relationships with Greg Stadrawa. Like sometimes with with Stadrawa, it's a personality mismatch where some of the some of the targets, the, some of the recruits don't really vibe with him. His personality, coaching style, whatever. And I think Peyton Kirkland's one where those two things do match up. And I, I I'm going to have him as in right now. Yeah, Peyton down there in Orlando, he is not an Orlando kid. He's actually a Chicago native. And I think that that Midwest uh, roots resonate uh, between him and Stud. And I think that that does help. He is visiting for the game on November 20th against Michigan State. And I don't think he's planning on a commitment anytime soon, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't, I'm not going to be surprised if he committed that weekend, just because. If you look at the class of 2023 right now, obviously you have Josh Padilla now that he's in the mix. Austin Saravel down there at Lakota East is a player that Ohio State just offered, and I think he will end up being in the class in the next month or so. Uh, and then and he picked up Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Michigan State, a lot of schools and all that. So like he's now blowing up nationally. Um, and then you have the push for Luke Montgomery. I just think that Peyton Kirkwin might see an opportunity to cement his spot in the class and, and maybe not want to mess around with it. So I'm not going to I'm not saying he's on commitment watch or anything like that, but I'm just going to say I wouldn't be so shocked if he ended up committing coming out of that weekend, because I know the relationship with Ohio State is very good. And again, he's not a Florida kid. He is a Midwest offensive lineman. Those kids like to commit early um, if they can. And I think he's going to try to consider whether or not that is something that matters to him. So that's what I, I'm going to say. You know what you say, Berm? That's the game. And that's the game. That is in or out the uh, extended video version. I hope you enjoyed it. Spencer, I hope you enjoyed it. Zach, I hope you enjoyed it. You guys never came up with a jingle. I think that was, that's been like a year in the making. And okay. The official one. So what if I've we, got it? I've got it in my uh, in my saved videos. I've got a little jingle that Berm did one time that I can just clip out and we can put in there. There what if go. we petition? What if we petition? 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 What if we petition the watchers, the listeners, those of you out there in the ecosphere? Make us a jingle. Send it in to Spencer Holbrook on Twitter. That's at Spencer Holbrook. Link it to him, and we will make a vote to vote for who gets to win the in or out jingle. How does that sound? That's really gonna suck if no one does it. I don't well, think that's I, I, I would imagine we're gonna I would imagine we'll get like zero responses, but <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there for people. If this is something that you enjoy and you want to be a part of it, this is your moment. Don't if you're still afraid. in this podcast, if you're still on the show in minute 38 with us talking to you, I yeah. think you enjoy it. So yeah, yeah embrace it. Step out of your comfort zone and get your jingle in. Oh, All right, Lord. that's where we end it. Let's let's get out of here. Oh boy, I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Zach Carpenter. That is Spencer Holbrook. This is Zach's last appearance on the show. We will see you guys next time. Thanks to Buyers Auto for sponsoring, as always. This has been Talking Stuff. Thanks for watching.